Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Well, hello, everybody. I am Caitlin Caffrey, and it is a privilege to be here with you on the Switch Leader Podcast. I have James Meehan with me today. And hello, hello. Today, oh, there he is. And we're <laughs> going to start with a question from uh, one of you guys. Ooh, so this question, okay. James, get ready. Ready? Is um, about a campus that is struggling to recruit middle school boy leaders. Mm. Um, they had a bunch, but unfortunately a lot had to step down um, just due to life circumstances and things. And they had this idea to ask high school seniors to help be middle school boy leaders. And they would love to know your thoughts on that idea what are some pros? What are some cons? Um, and what are the best ideas for recruiting middle school boy leaders in this season where it's pretty difficult? Hmm. So it sounds like they're asking if they should empower high school students to own the ministry of Switch and invest in the lives of others. Is that is that what they're asking? It it does sound like that. <laughs> So based off of my sarcastic rephrasing of the question, hopefully you can tell that my opinion on this is abso-freaking-lutely all day long. I yeah. remember, uh, so my wife, Mandy, she has grown up in Life Church. She grew up being a part of all of the different ministries of Life Church, but she never wanted to be a part of Switch because she just never felt like it was a place where she would actually be challenged to grow spiritually. And I remember that she was, uh, she tells a story about how she was either a freshman or sophomore in high school when all of a sudden her youth pastor at the time came up to her and said, Hey, I want you to lead this group of middle school girls because I think that there's a lot that you have to offer. And I think they could really use your leadership. And so she went from just being a high school student attending Switch that's been a part of Life Church for her entire life to now being put in a position of leadership where she is in charge of pastoring, shepherding, leading, and guiding this group of sixth grade girls. And she would tell you that that was the moment when she made the decision that she wanted to be in ministry for the rest of her life mm -hmm. because of the amount of empowerment and fulfillment she felt being put in that type of leadership position. And here's yeah. the thing that I think is so powerful is that she would also tell you that had that conversation not taken place, it would have just been a few weeks later that she would have just stopped going to Switch altogether. And so the thing that kept her engaged in Switch was being trusted with leadership, was being called to a higher standard and given more responsibilities. And what we all know as human beings is that anytime we enter into a season of life where we are given increased responsibility, it actually forces us to grow even more, right? When you go from being a high school student to having a job, the increased responsibility requires you to grow. When you go from being a you know non-married person to a married person, the increased responsibility forces you to grow. When you go from being a person without kids to a person with kids, the increased responsibility because you're not just looking after yourself forces you to grow. And so not only do I think it's a beautiful way to engage your high school students 
in another level, but I think it's also one of the best ways where they can grow and develop as disciples of Jesus. And then the other thing that I would say is that those high schoolers actually have more of an influence on those middle schoolers than most adults do. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you as an adult leader leading middle school guys do not have significant influence on their life, but there's just something about a high school kid taking time to invest in a middle school kid that just seems way cooler to middle schoolers than me, a 27 year old dude with a nine month old son, (laughs) right? Like, and so that's not a knock on us, right? I lead a group of middle school guys and I know that my guys look up to me and they value the investment I make in them, but there's just something special about a high schooler taking time to invest in and care for a middle schooler. So I say all of that to say, I am so, so, so in favor of looking for opportunities to empower your high schoolers to be a part of leading these middle school groups. Now, the way that I would go about doing that well is I would make sure that you start a little bit slow and strategic in the high school students that you invite into those roles. I don't think you need to limit it to just seniors. I think instead of thinking how old or what grade those high schoolers are in, you should think, all right, how mature are they? And is this something that they could step into and do it well? And maybe you start with three high school guys that are standouts in your ministry. And you start having that conversation with them and ask them if this is something that they'd want to be a part of. And then you let it start with the three. You see how it goes. You provide coaching along the way to help them learn how to do it well. You pair them up with a great middle school guy leader that's an adult that can be there to support and help coach and encourage them along the way. And then if it goes really well, great. Invite three more high school guys. And so what I'm I'm saying here is I think it's one of the kinds of things where when you start something new, Oftentimes we want to dive in head first, which can be a really effective strategy. But in something like this, I think it's actually a little bit better to start slow with just a few of these guys so that you can give them the level of time, attention, and coaching they need to feel confident in leading at that level. And the other thing about high schoolers is they tend to have more margin and flexibility in their schedules to actually be invested in the lives of these middle schoolers outside of just a Wednesday night. Now, that also means with them being high school students that there's going to be some of the different non-negotiables and the things that we ask and require of our switch leaders that you're going to need to be extra specific and clear for them on (laughs) because they likely won't think about some of these things the same way that we do. And so that's why it's important to take that time as you are um, empowering in these students, giving them these different opportunities that you coach them, you give them plenty of time to know what's expected, how to be successful, all that jazz. But then here's what I would also say, because I said, pick some students that are mature, that have the capabilities. Don't be afraid to take a risk. Because what I've seen is there have been high school guys in my ministry where they were the kind of high school guys where it's like, man, the potential is there. But for whatever reason, they just haven't yet tapped into their potential. And so I took a risk and I asked them, hey, here's what I see in you. Yep. Do you think that you could step into this role? And those high school guys that had the potential but weren't quite living it out yet at Switch or you know, serving in high capacity on the weekend yet, the moment that they stepped into that role of leadership, it's almost like a light switch flipped for them where they yep. realized, oh, I have leadership. I can make a difference. So All of that being said, I'm super in favor of it. Make sure that as you are going about implementing this in your ministry, that you're taking time to coach, to encourage, to give clear expectations. And along the way, don't be afraid to take a risk. Know that Jesus invited 12 dudes who likely 11 of the 12 were under the age of 18. 
It's believed that Peter was the only one over the age of 18 and that everybody else was between 12 and 17. And so if Jesus was confident enough to build his ministry on a bunch of teenagers, I don't think that we should be afraid to do the same. Come on. That's so good. I got to share a little bit on a previous episode, but that's literally part of my story. Much like Mandy's story that you shared in the beginning, um, I had a leader in ninth grade, Miss Jen, who decided to take a risk on me. Come on, Miss Jen. And empower me <laughs> to share the burden of leadership in our small group at church. So and like, honestly, that ownership changed the trajectory of the rest of my uh, high school uh, experience. That's so good. And uh, I'm immensely thankful for that. I think, and I think that you hit on this uh, a little bit as well, that high school to middle school dynamic, because that, that age gap, that life experience gap is much shorter. I think a beautiful thing that it does is it shows those middle schoolers that faithfully following Jesus as a teenager is possible. Come on, man. And I think that there's a lot of power in just that peer to peer. Oh my gosh, like you're doing this. I'm doing this. <laughs> we have questions. We're figuring it out. But you being, you know, just one step ahead of me, it yeah. shows me that it's possible. That's so good. Um, so I love that. Uh, great question. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. We love to get to to wrestle through those things with you. Um, the next thing that we're going to talk about, so we're in this series about the Bible, the Bible, fake news or good news. Mm, and so yes. as we're walking through this series, how can we as leaders know that we are actually being good students of the Bible and modeling that to our students as we walk them through this series? Mm, such a great question. So one of the things that's really interesting is to see the correlation between Bible reading being a consistent habit and people's overall spiritual maturity. Mm. Now, our senior pastor, Craig Rochelle, he's talked about the importance of keystone habits many times on the weekend. You know, he often uses the example for his own life of flossing. When he flosses his teeth, he is so much more likely to do all of the other things that he knows he should do, like take out the trash, do the dishes, exercise, get to work on time, all of those different things. For whatever reason for him, that keystone habit in his health is flossing. Now, when you look at the scope of Christians throughout the world, one of the dominant themes that keeps coming up is that engaging with the Bible regularly serves as a keystone habit to help us grow in every other aspect of our spiritual formation. And so when it comes to this idea of being students of the Bible, first, I just think it's important to recognize how much this matters throughout the history of the people of God, from the earliest days of Christianity, all the way back to the beginning of Judaism, the people of God have always been people of the text. Right? We have been given these scriptures that were inspired by God and written by people to help guide us and form us and shape us into the kind of people 
that can actually love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others the same way that he's loved us. He has entrusted us with this story that leads to Jesus and invites us to become like Jesus. And now more than ever, we have access to it on our phone through the YouVersion Bible app. Come on somebody, which I believe you could you could confirm if this is true or not. We just hit 500 million downloads. Is that true? Yeah. Come on, y'all better take a praise break where you're listening to this right now, whether you're in your car or wherever. The reality is, is that access to God's word is more available now than ever before. Mm. And yet, Mm. there are so many people who would call themselves Christians who never actually engage in the Bible. And sometimes it just comes from the fact they don't understand the importance of it. Sometimes it comes from the fact that they just don't really care and sometimes it's because they just don't really know how. And so hopefully over the course of this series that we're walking through, we can help answer some of those questions for our students, why it matters and how to do it well. And so not this week, but next week, we're going to actually introduce four different principles to our yeah. students during the message that will help them understand how to read the Bible more wisely. And we want to kind of give you a preview of those principles because we think they're just as applicable to you as a switch leader regardless of the role you're serving in, whether you're in check-in, cover to host team, or leading a small group, all of us are on this journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. And one of the greatest skills we can develop is learning how to be students of the Bible. And so what we're going to do is give you some of these principles and kind of talk through the different resources that have been helpful for us along the journey so that hopefully it can help you as you're navigating this journey for yourself and you are bringing your students along with you as you pursue Jesus through studying God's word. Amazing. Uh, so what I just heard was the the Bible is this incredible story and it's the story of reality. Like it's the true story because Absolutely. it's God's story. And he is the definer of reality. The more more grounded we are in this story, the more grounded we are in reality. Um, And that's part of why it is so incredibly important in that keystone habit um, is because it keeps us grounded in the story of reality. Yeah. Um, So for principles, what's principle number one? Before we get to principle number one, I want to give you one statement and then we'll give you four principles. This one statement kind of summarizes everything and the four principles sort of expand on it. So that one statement is this, Jesus is king and context is everything. Jesus is king and context is everything. When we read the Bible, we want to always keep in mind that Jesus is king and context is everything. The Bible is a story that leads to Jesus. He is our king and it invites us to become like Jesus. He is the one that we are following. He is our teacher who is instructing us on how we're meant to live as God's people. And context is everything. So when we get to that context is everything, these four principles, I think, do a really good job of fleshing that out to help us better understand what that means and how we can understand it. So the first principle that we're going to talk about is the idea that the Bible is God's word for us but it wasn't originally written to us. The mm. Bible is God's word for us, but it wasn't originally written to us because the Bible, this collection of writings written over the course of thousands of years by dozens of authors, all inspired by the spirit of God was written by people 
speaking different languages, immersed right. in different cultures, and living in different locations and time periods than we are today, right? It was written by people living in a specific time and place and to people in a specific time and place that thankfully was inspired by the Spirit of God so that it is still relevant and meaningful for us today. But because of the fact that it wasn't written to people living in our time, our place, our culture, and our language, one of the best things that we can do is do the work of discovering what did these words mean to the original audience so that we can best understand what they are supposed to mean to us today. Mm -hmm. The Bible was uh, the Bible is God's word for us, but it wasn't originally written to us. So some great questions we can ask are, hey, who's the author of this passage or book of the Bible? Who's yeah. the audience? Why did they write it? What was happening during that period of history? What did they want their original readers to know? And when we begin to ask those questions, we get a little bit closer to getting to the meaning and the wisdom contained within that's meant to shape us, to help us become more like Jesus and discover more of who God is. So that's the first principle, that the Bible is God's word for us, but it yep. wasn't originally written to us. The second principle is that the Bible is meant to be read literately, not just literally. The yeah. Bible is meant to be read literally, not just literally. <laughs> and this is one of those things where sometimes people can get a little bit uncomfortable because they they might hear that and think, wait, are you saying that we shouldn't ever read the Bible literally? It's like, no, of course not. There are absolutely aspects of the Bible where it's meant to be read literally at face value. But then there's other parts of the Bible where it's written in a literary genre where if we assume it's being written as like this um, video transcription of exactly what happened, where it happened, when it happened, how it happened, then we're going to miss the deeper meaning. Because the thing about the Bible is that it contains a wide variety of literary genres, poetry, parables, history, letters, and more. And so yeah. if we find ourselves trying to read poetry in the same way we read history, we are going to miss the point. Yep. <laughs> and I think this is one of the things that in our modern world, we have to resist the temptation to assume that the only things that are true are things that are super clear definitions or bullet points or whatever. Um, one of my favorite examples that I've heard somebody give is if you were to ask most people today what narcissism is, they would give you a dictionary definition describing someone who is overly invested in themselves. But if you were to ask ancient people what narcissism is, they would tell you the story of Narcissus, this guy who was so in love with himself that he spent eternity staring into his reflection in the water. Which one of those definitions or explanations is true? Well, I think both of them are true, but they're coming at that truth from a different angle. And there are parts of the Bible where it's it's history, right? It's telling us what happened, where it happened, when it happened. But then there's other parts of the Bible that are poetry, that are parable, right? Jesus over and over again taught in parables where he's giving us these stories, these word pictures to help us yeah. see the truth of the kingdom of God from a different perspective. And so when we read the Bible, we want to learn, is this passage history or is it parable? Is this a letter that the apostle Paul is writing to the specific church context because of what challenges they were facing? Or is this the apocalyptic vision that God gave to John? And how does that shape how we read and understand these words? Because the Bible is meant to be read literally and not just literally. 
The third principle is this, is that the Bible is meant to be read in passages and not just pieces. Passages mm-hmm. and not just pieces. I would I argue that one of the easiest ways to misread the Bible is to just read a single verse, right? right? Just one verse out of context, not knowing who wrote it, why they wrote it, what happens before or what happens after. Because when we separate these pieces of the Bible from the context of the passage, the chapter, the book, and the overarching biblical narrative, it becomes so easy to miss the themes and ideas that shape the meaning of that verse and how it contributes to the overarching biblical story. And so I think one of the best examples that I can think of is in the book of Proverbs, there's this proverb that says, without a vision, the people perish. And usually that's where people stop. Right. And oftentimes we use that to like come up with our own vision for people. <laughs> like I'm so guilty of this. I've done this many times. But the second half of that proverb says, but happy is the one who delights in the law. And so the idea is without vision, the people perish. And so sometimes we use that to come up with our own vision statements, right? Like I've done this, but happy is the one who delights in the law. So the uh, like Solomon, as he's giving these proverbs, is basically saying, hey, the vision that you find or the vision that you need is found in the truth of God's word, that yep. that is the thing that gives you the vision that will lead to life. And so I yep. think that's one of the things where as we're reading, yes, it's so good and powerful to find these verses that are meaningful and impactful to us. But if we really want to understand what it is that God is trying to communicate yep. through these passages of scripture, then we've got to make sure that we read it in passages and not just yep. pieces. So I think- final, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think this principle is probably the one that transformed my uh, being a student of the Bible the absolute most. Yep. Because it's so illuminating. Absolutely. I think, I think that, you know, we get the question, why is the Bible so confusing a lot, <laughs> right? And I think yeah, that yeah. The, a lot of that question comes from pulling a piece out of the the overarching context and just like munching on that single piece um, and like the the language of it or what does this one sentence mean, whatever. But when I put it back where it belongs, yes, it's so illuminating. It's like a, the, it's like a puzzle, right? If I just yeah. pull out one piece, I have no idea what the picture <laughs> is. Come but on. Then I put it back in and I can see the overarching picture uh, that the passage is saying, that the letter is communicating, and then the narrative of the whole Bible is leading me towards. So this is probably the principle that just like wrecked me the most. Um, mm. So yeah. Anyways, there's Dang, my antidote. So Keep going. <laughs> uh, okay. So the Bible is meant to be read in passages, not just pieces. Fourth principle for you is that the Bible is written to transform us, not just to inform us. And this brings us back to that one sentence statement that we're using as the through line for the series, that the Bible is a story that leads to Jesus and invites us to become like Jesus. One of the things that I think is far too tempting is to read the Bible so that we can collect truths to prove we are right. (laughs) When the power of the scripture is found, when we enter into this um, beautiful work of art that God has allowed people to be a part of putting together so that we can encounter his 
presence. Because when we understand that the Bible is not just meant to inform us, but to actually transform us, then instead of just going to the Bible to collect truths, we go to the Bible to become true. Instead of just going to the Bible to try and prove that we are right, we go to the Bible to become right. And this is what is so powerful about the Bible is that unlike any other book, we believe that the Spirit of God is dwelling within it and inviting us to be transformed in the process as we engage with it. And so when we think about reading the Bible, yes, we want to do the work of being students and thinking and asking questions and discovering and exploring, but we also want to do it expecting to encounter the presence of God. When we read the word of God, we do it so that we encounter the God of the word. And this is the thing that's so beautiful about the Bible is that the more that we come to it with our questions, with our curiosity, the more that God reveals himself to us. And the thing is, is we gave you these principles and sometimes it can feel like a giant task to learn all of those things. But here's what's so powerful about the Bible is that the same spirit that was at work in the writing of the scriptures is still at work in the reading of the scriptures. And so you do not need to be an expert or a Bible scholar to encounter the presence of God and experience his power through studying the scriptures. We just wanna give you some of these principles that we're gonna share with our students so that you can take a couple of steps further in your own journey of becoming a student of the Bible. And all of this being said, we know that it is a journey for all of us, right? When I look back at my journey of becoming a Christian until now, I have grown tremendously in both my understanding and my appreciation of the Bible. This isn't something that happened overnight. It's a continual journey where even now, as I'm someone who is teaching people the Bible, I'm continually learning more and more and more about the Bible. And as I do, I'm more aware of just how brilliant and powerful it is. And so if you find yourself as the kind of person who maybe has, um, some challenges when it comes to reading the Bible because you're not sure how to do it, know that that is okay. That doesn't disqualify you as a leader by any means. What it means is that you are on the journey of becoming a student of the Bible as a disciple of Jesus. And that's exactly where we all are in this journey. Yep. So good. Um, I think to just cap off the the section where we're talking through these principles, um, it's helpful to highlight again, the way that we approach the scripture is not as it's this textbook meant to inform me. Come on. It's this story that is meant to transform me. Absolutely. Um, and if, if Bible reading, we talk about it as one of the spiritual disciplines as, as a spiritual practice that we Come need on. to engage in. And the point of those, those disciplines is to form us absolutely and so uh yeah i think just putting it in the in the context of this is a spiritual practice i get to engage in and the measure of success is not how much new information i know (laughs) come on it is how is this forming me to become more like jesus so good um So so Okay, so as we're wrapping up this podcast, yep. what are some of the like resources that you have used throughout your journey to help you um, understand the Bible, become a better student of the Bible, 
Um, what are some resources that our leaders can engage in? Yeah, so I'm a big nerd. And so I read lots of books and I listen to lots of podcasts. And so instead of giving you an extensive list, if you want that, you can email us and I will give you way more than you could probably handle. But <laughs> for now, I just want to give you kind of three things I think could be super valuable. Uh, the first thing is the Bible Project. The Bible mm. Project is an incredible organization. They have Bible plans, YouTube videos, podcasts, where they walk through what the Bible is, what each book of the Bible means, how to read it wisely. It is incredible. I recommend it to everybody all day long. Like They have everything from hour-long podcasts, diving in-depth on a specific topic, to five-minute videos covering the dominant themes in the scriptures. So right. thing number one, the Bible Project. Thing number two is a podcast called the Bema podcast, B-E-M-A. It's a really, really great podcast where the podcast hosts walk through the entire narrative of the Bible, starting in Genesis, going all the way through to Revelation. And it's one of those things that I really enjoyed just because of the structure of walking through mm -hmm. the Bible slowly, little by little, and helping us understand what was going on in the context and how does that inform how this applies to our lives today. And then the third thing that I'd recommend is the fully devoted Bible plan study. So we have put together a nine-part discipleship study where we walk through the entirety of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, creation to new creation over the span of nine parts, six total months of content where you can be immersed in the story of God and discover more and more about what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Those three options, I think, are a great place to start as you're continuing on this journey of growing and learning what it means to be a student of the Bible and leading your students to do the same. Yep, that's fantastic. I don't think I would have anything to add other than, you know, just challenging us, our leaders, to 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 spend time, to sit on this, yeah. um, to look at the Bible as an overarching narrative. What is the story that's being told here? Um, and if you haven't ever uh, like listened to the Bible, maybe give that a shot. That's great. Uh, that, that has helped me to take it in as a narrative, just to listen to it continuously moving through. Um, and also, you know, it doesn't negate studying it for yourself. But in, when I was trying to digest the Bible as a narrative, I would just put it on in my car it's and fantastic. just listen to it while I drove. Um, and that was something that was helpful for me on top of the resources that you have already mentioned. Yeah, no, I think that's money. Cool. Well, James, any concluding thoughts for this episode? Yeah. Last thing, just know that those resources that I mentioned and some of these notes you can find in the show notes of this podcast. And if you have any questions at all about any of this stuff, always shoot us an email, switch at life.church. We would love to be able to hear from you. If you've got questions you want us to answer in future videos, let us know. Yep. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast today, where we decide today the leader that we will be tomorrow. See you guys next time.